Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome uh, to another episode of Get the Flick Out of Here Christmas Edition. Um, I'm your host, uh, a dude with Christmas lights wrapped around him. And with me, as always, is Kate. Um, Kate, um, we decided to do one of those uh, episodes where I do one that you didn't watch, and you do one that I didn't watch, and then we regale each other with the craziness. Um, uh, this, is, of course, is the, the show where we review uh, uh, sometimes bad, but always oddball-type movies. Um, and um, uh, I think that certainly yours fits under bad, and mine fits under oddball. And uh, <laughs> mine's an American classic. <laughs> um, so I guess without further ado, we're going to start with yours. Uh, and because because mine is sh- such a damn uh, trip uh, that that I don't think anybody will be able to concentrate on anything after they hear. <laughs> sure. Well. I don't know how I let you get away without watching this, to be honest. I like I thought I was gonna be so because vengeful. you value my mental I health. I do, but at the same time, there is an AJ Lee sister and Freddie Prince Jr. vehicle that we haven't gotten into. So just there's things coming. Uh but what I watched was the Christmas wedding planner, which you can watch on Netflix. <sighs> what a gem. This is like delightfully off the top like so perfectly in that like hallmark lifetime vein Mm. you have some of the compulsories you have uh a dead parent involved you have something that makes no sense it is completely insane um everything feels kind of cartoonishly done delightful in that way what i actually kind of appreciated about this one is they're the actors they they knew the assignment and they were actually pretty good like the lead male in this should have a career like it, <laughs> he shouldn't and maybe he does like outside of this i love that you fully acknowledge he does not yeah there's no if you're doing this you're not like killing it right yeah. now but he's a good like a guy he's a real good actor uh i don't know why you do this otherwise but uh but then again we saw Lindsay lohan do one so who am i to say but yeah. right um, and what's also fun is my sister and I realized this when we started, we started watching them just one time when she was over and I was like, we have to watch these cause she'd never really bothered because she has self-respect or something. So, uh, I, <laughs> I was like, no, I think you're going to be into like how ridiculous these are. And she was, but what we realized is that everybody like in casting, there's like so-and-so tight. This is sure. like, there's like, has to be a ripoff of people and how close this woman looks to Natalie Portman. <laughs> and like, it's almost like, so I have, I got a new dog and we're like, mm-hmm. she's a, a mix that's predominantly blue he- healer and um, Australian cattle dog and probably something else in there. She's like mostly Natalie Portman probably something else in there like that's how mm-hmm. and the the male lead in this is like if the guy from burn notice didn't look so la and was pretty attractive or something like there's like flavors of it's so funny how like with lead characters in these things you see like shades of the actors that they were like if we had a real budget this is who we would go and get but right right 
Yeah. Uh, loved the start of this movie because it starts off with just stock footage, like just whatever stock footage B-roll they could kind of put together. And then immediately uh, we get like, uh, what's it called? Fair, not fair trade, but those open source Christmas song for sure at the beginning. Um, cheesy narration from her talking about how she's in the business of love. But her cousin's wedding is her first real real wedding. And then we see this blonde who's like killing it, locks flowing, coming out of a coffee shop. And she's like, that's not me, though. And then we see her come in and immediately run into the woman holding coffee. Because if you're uh, a lead at a Hallmark Netflix no, yeah. uh, Lifetime movie, the first thing that you have to be is clumsy. Like 100%. Yes. Yeah. No, they, they know the audience that they're attracting. Yeah. Uh, and they want them to identify. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just, <laughs> but if you're a woman, you have to be clumsy. We saw this with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's in our blood. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was special about this movie and what really set it apart is we get the meet cute like 45 seconds into this movie. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Dispense with the pretense. That's what I say. <laughs> she. Uh, it, it's actually on on the gamut here, not the mm-hmm. worst. Uh, sure. Keeping in mind what we're comparing it against, right? She runs into this guy at the coffee shop because she's such a klutz, right? She runs into the woman, but then is kind of like getting herself together, and he's like, "Are you all right?" And she was like, "Yeah." Um, and we learn that she's at the coffee shop on an assignment to get a blueberry scone for her aunt before her cousin's engagement party, whose wedding it is, that it's the first that she's ever planned. So before this engagement party, she's just doing a favor, picking up Aunt Olivia. Getting a scone? Getting a blueberry scone for Aunt Olivia on her way to this engagement party. Um, And she lets him order first because she was like so fumbled and whatever. And what happens, but he orders the last blueberry. Oh no. Oh, and like 12 coffees. And so Isn't she's done a that always the way it's the worst. It's oh, just the worst. My goodness. So, I mean, just not off to a great start here. But then she gets to the engagement party and we see Aunt Olivia. They're very well to do family. It's incredible how much this wedding is about the wedding planner and not the bride. Like, right off the bat, it is so much more about the challenges that she faces as a planner. Um, We do learn... Well, they didn't name the movie The Christmas Bride. It's true. But even, like... The titular character. Even the, the mother of her cousin, her aunt, Olivia... It's just so much less concerned with her daughter being the bride than she is with the planner. She looks um, mm. wardrobe-wise like they picked the leftovers of Sex in the City to show up scale. Like she's just like a bird in her mm. hair away from being Sarah Jessica Parker. But we mm. learned that Aunt Olivia is like the only female role model in her life. This is crucial. I'll explain why. Yeah. Mm. Uh and she's very well-to-do, very proper, but not, like, terribly cold or callous. She still has a lot of love for her. It's kind sure. of evident there. Uh, but who's at the engagement party, Alex? No. Yeah. With the no. blueberry stone. 
And there was oh a whole my. to do. Wait, 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 hold on. I'm sorry. That is very funny to me <laughs> because the way you said it. Who's at the engagement party? No. Yes, the blueberry scone. <laughs> Somehow the blueberry scone hailed a cab and got there. You made it. Oh, no, no, no. The guy who bought the blueberry scone. Okay. Yes. That makes the more sense. The fellow who bought it okay, is there with the blueberry scone. Mm. Um, that was given to, to the aunt. She had like tried to buy it off of him with everything that was in her pocket. Because it can't be a muffin, Alex. It has to be no. a scone. No. So she's like, hey, what are you doing here? And he kind of very easily and quickly essentially gives up the fact that he's a PI and that he's there to investigate. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know anything about being a PI, but I feel like giving up that information to someone you've known for 20 seconds in a coffee shop is probably not the best way to go about business. But she was like, so you knew who I was. And he was like, I did know who you were. So he basically screwed her over for no good reason because he brought... The blueberries going to her. Uh, there's also completely inconsequentially, the editor of Wedding Du Jour magazine is at the engagement party. And Olivia doesn't like her very much, but acknowledges that it could be really big for her career. Uh, mm. Kelsey is the, the female lead's name. Uh, if she was able to get into this magazine, it's not really brought up again in any way shape or form i don't even think we see the reporter at any point again uh so this was just uh definitely there was a second scene that got cut that mm-hmm. <laughs> and they left this one in for some reason um but we also learn that hot pi is the ex of the bribe from years ago they're on friendly terms but you know, suspicions start mm-hmm. to arise. Uh, but they are still friends. And Kelsey rightfully finds that weird. So she's a little suspicious of Mr. Mr. P.I. Guy. Uh, is, this, is, this, is his name Magnum? It is not. It's Connor. <laughs> it should have been Magnum. Though. It should have been Magnum. It should have been Connor Magnum P.I. And then there could have been a joke about how did you ever think about not becoming a PI with that last name? <laughs> and it's like, listen. He's I, advertising I, that he's a PI anyway. Like, you yeah. might as well. <laughs> so, again, like, it's kind of a bummer that he was, like, in this terrible movie because he's a pretty good actor. And hmm. he's like, I'm not here to break up the wedding. Like, that's not mm-hmm. what I'm here to do. And that kind of casually as he's leaving, he's like, but I can't promise it won't get ruined. Bye. And he like heads out the door, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of a cute little scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says that if she wants this wedding to go well, he they should work in tandem, not mm-hmm. against each other, which she kind of immediately blows off. So, you know, just your typical wedding PI, first time wedding planner. And that's Mm -hmm. not even the weirdest part of the movie. Uh, We see her texting someone about the events of that day. Crucially, the text message says sent. It's very important that you guys know that. I'll tell you why later. (laughs) Uh, So the next kind of event that we get to is that there is a fitting for the dress that she's going to choose. 
Here's the challenge, Alex. Aunt Olivia wants her to wear the family dress. The family dress is kind of matronly. She doesn't want to wear the family dress. Mm. And it's up to the wedding planner to solve this dilemma. Oh, my goodness. Which she does by telling her that the modern day dress looks great and not really fully. They make like a very big deal out of the fact that she has to solve this challenge. And the resolution is that the bride just gets the dress that she wants. Like There's, there's not like, okay, well, maybe we'll use the veil from the old dress. Nothing like really there. We do meet the cast of bridesmaids who uh, are just the most- Oh, oh, oh. You mean the group of bridesmaids that's in this movie. I thought for some reason they met the cast of the movie Bridesmaids. And I, that's how, they should probably sell this. Yeah, of this film off of like Melissa been, McCarthy hey, and Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph and Maya Angelou are here. That's kind of crazy. Maya Angelou. Yeah, yeah, Maya Angelou. Right, is that her name? Right. I get, I get those two mixed up. <laughs> Maya Angelou, Maya Rudolph. Maybe similar. she'd be texting her too, since she's also dead. Whoops! Spoiler well, alert. Spoiler! You took away my moment. I'm Meet sorry, I had to. I had to after I ruined everything by saying Maya Angelou instead of Maya Rudolph. I had, <laughs> my, I had to make it about myself twice. I'm sorry. Come on, guy with Christmas lights around his neck. <laughs> so there's the jealous bridesmaid who just mm, there's the always movie. one. There's, there's always, always one. one. Um. Because you can't just have people that are happy and supportive for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she just keeps commenting on everything being how, oh, that's exactly what I would do. Uh, that's her whole character. Uh, there nice. is the bitter divorce bridesmaid who mm-hmm. is like, we could just go to Fiji instead. And then there's, mm-hmm. of course, the clumsy bridesmaid. Because every woman has to be clumsy. That's right. And that is her one character trait. They are as ethnically diverse as a college bookstore catalog. It is the most like there's the Hispanic person and the black person and the white person. Mm-hmm. Love, love that there's representation. If they figured out a way to make it not feel so token because the portrayals of these people are absolutely cartoonish. Yep. That would be great. Um but so this is where we meet Todd, the fiance, who is being investigated. Oh. Uh, Todd comes in, hands out like kind of gifts, I guess, to the bridesmaids, like bracelets, I think it was. And then he's talking to the woman at the front desk a little too closely, if you mm. ask me. Whispers mm. in her ear something. Leaves mm-hmm. his number in the guest yeah. book where everybody else was only leaving like names and emails. We're gonna come to that later, and that is the first time that Kelsey thinks maybe Connor Magnum PI has a point. Uh, so the next thing that she has to do is kind of find out what's going on with the receptionist, she doesn't trust Connor so much yet. Um, but they go to the, I think they're supposed to be t- t- doing a wedding cake tasting. Mm. And she knows 
I forget why or how she knows, but she knows that the receptionist from the wedding cake or from the wedding dress place is also supposed to be meeting the chef. She's on a very close friendship with the person or the baker, I guess, that's making her cake. Uh, and so she calls an audible to be having a baking class with the bride to be at the same time that this woman is going to come pick up her cookies. Uh, mm-hmm. And her grand plan is to have them both distracted, reach into this woman's purse to get out a cell phone, to get out her meeting book, whatever. Um, and the baker is kind of probably the worst actor in the film, uh, but also like, hey, I shouldn't be mixed up in your bullshit. I was like, good for that guy. Uh, but chaos ensues. She finds the meeting book and the meeting book says, thanks for the hookup with his number. It's not what it looks like. You're already mm-hmm. putting out spoilers. I will let you know. Uh, so she decides because of this, she's going to meet up with Connor Magnum PI at a restaurant. This is my favorite scene of the movie. By far. Well, mm-hmm. the ending's pretty great, too. But we have uh, a cameo from Joey Fatone. He has two scenes, maybe three, in the whole movie. And this one, he was not in the room at the same time as Kelsey and Connor for. So the mm-hmm. shots of it are just Joey Fatone, the two of them. Joey mm-hmm. Fatone, the two of them. And the most stilted, unnatural dialogue that there ever was like mm. and I don't think it was anybody's fault I think you know no. just an experienced actor Joey Fatone acting against nobody and weird camera cuts doesn't really work but Kelsey says alright you tell me the nature of your relationship with the bride that was and I will help you work on a PR but no lying no secrets mm-hmm. um, we also find out that Again, like the amount of work that they do to have stuff that makes no sense in this movie. Mm-hmm. Connor Magnum PI is also like a co-owner of the restaurant that they're at, and like kind of I guess is co-owners with Joey Fatone, <laughs> mm. which sort of comes into play later. Uh, but yeah, it's just a a weird little weird little scene. They then go to a social event of Todd's parents as as the next move. Aunt Olivia does not want to go. She doesn't want to hear them talk about their boat all that much anymore. <sighs> Ridiculous. Um, they get to the party. They're there as boyfriend and girlfriend because, of course, they would have to fake it before they fake it. Uh, right. And it's the easiest cover. And so they go into this, like, mansion... They say they're understaffed because they had to let someone go recently. Again, very roundabout, but comes back later. Uh, And they're like looking all over for hints and clues about stuff. And they break into the office of one of of the owner of the fiance's dad. And they like put a USB in the computer and just steal files. Just general files. I forget how they guessed the name it had something to do with his boat but they like guessed the password and then of course password boat but the o is a zero there it is 
It was like the name of the boat or something. Uh, the name of the boat is boat. His boat with a zero too. <laughs> Even on the back of the boat, it has a zero. No one will ever guess this password. They'll never know. It's almost secure as password one two three. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so he walks in while they're downloading the files. The father of the fiance, and so Kelsey grabs Connor and kisses him. As if they were, like, trying to sneak off and make whoopee. And it works. The father-in-law is like, I've had some fun in my day, basically. And it's like, I completely, uh, I, I get it. Not even, like, remotely grossed out, like, alarmingly okay. Like, he was going to sit there and watch or something. It was really Ah, uh, yes. This, this, my old desk has seen its share of buttocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... She then gets the brilliant idea because catering falls through. Because there's so many challenges in being a wed- wedding planner, Alex. Uh, Joey Fatone is going to cater the wedding. See, see, this is why I love... I'm sorry. I, just, I don't know if I haven't seen the picture, but the way you say things makes it funnier. Because you go, catering falls through. An open manhole cover? Because that would be <laughs> something to do. Like, they're getting the cake out of the back of the catering van, turn around, and whoop! Now, see, there, that's that's something. Ooh, we should do a, a three lies episode of, of these. <laughs> uh, so then there's a montage of them investigating and flirting. Uh, they're like in the truck together and she finds out that wedding dress gal and... Uh, Todd, the fiance, are going to be at dinner together at a very mm. romantically vibed spot. Mm. Um, and so Connor and Kelsey go to dinner at that same spot. And foolishly, oh, I can't believe I almost forgot this. What you've spoiled, this is where it comes out. She's texting someone, and he's like, Hey, who you texting? And instead of being like a friend, she decides to reveal to Connor Magnum PI. It's her dead mom. She's texting her dead mom. She just tells him? She just He doesn't have like, to find out using his crackerjack private eye skills? Nope. Just spells it out. Texting her dead mom says, like, I know it's kind of odd. And he's like, no, like, we all grieve in different ways. And I was like, nope, that's not the reaction you should have to that dude. You should be like, that's weird. You need mental help. Why are you keeping your dead mom's cell phone plan alive? Because we know these texts went through. Uh, that's weird. And so this is supposed to be like a layer that leads to their romance almost. Like this is like their emotional connection point. It's the, so bizarre. The obvious way to handle that is she lies and he's jealous because he likes her. So he's trying to find out who she's sexting. Is it an ex-boyfriend? Like, what's what's it? You know, like, all that kind of stuff. So he looks into it. And he finds out she's been texting this plan. She he Ross references and realizes it's her mom. It's like, why would she be secret about that? Looks up her mom. Oh, her mom is dead. And then he reveals that he found out. And she is angry that he was Snoop. And he says, no, I understand. There's a voicemail on my phone from my dad. And I listen to it every so often just to hear his voice. So I get it. And there's your connection. 
Like, they, like immediately, they, they she thinks he's been snooping. He has been, but it's they, it's okay because they have a connection there. That is, I wrote that in five seconds in my head. It's better than him going like, "Hey, so who are you texting? My dead mom." Yeah, I get it. Like, what, like I can't that? emphasize enough how almost equally as casual that conversation was. <laughs> like the fact that he was not at all surprised. It's so bizarre to me. Oh, hey, who so, you texting? My dead mom. That oh, tracks. Me. That tracks. Seems legit. It's some of the most incredible cinematic footage you can you can find. Yeah. This was like in the vein of so bad it's good. By the way, like I was in stitches watching this movie. <laughs> uh, but as they're at dinner she completely embarrasses herself because she just goes up to Todd during the middle of his dinner with wedding dress woman and accuses him and says, I saw you at the wedding shop leaving your number and getting too close. And he tells her that uh, he paid for the dress and she cut him a hell of a deal because they've known each other forever. So he was taking her out to dinner as a thank you, Uh, which seems legit. And I think she's also married. So like seems like it was actually just a pretty friendly dinner like and she's causing a scene not the best pi in the world uh no which isn't great definitely not magnum definitely not magnum no um aunt olivia sees the crush kind of developing between connor and kelsey and so when this outburst happens everybody in the situation agrees it's best not to tell the bride about it um in fear of upsetting her right around her big day and she doesn't, sure. they don't want her to be worried or anything um but so we did find out in the in the from the bridesmaids at the wedding dress scene to what happened with connor and uh the bride which was or their their perception of it i should say mm-hmm. Which was that things were pretty serious. They were considering moving in together. And then one day he kind of just disappeared. Like pretty much out of the blue. Ghosted her. Which nobody thinks to like maybe ask like why he did that. Um, He's just a bad guy for doing that. So (laughs) Uh, we find out later in kind of the biggest point of contention uh, that... His dad, her dad paid him off to go away because I think it was because like he wasn't going to be able to give her the life that she deserved or something. I think it was a social class thing. I can't really remember because this movie gets so much weirder. (laughs) But there was a reason and he never cashed the check. He just goes away. Um, Hmm. And so crucially, Kelsey has a copy of this check. When she goes to check in on the catering situation, she approaches him with the check and is like, I can't believe you would do this. I never should have trusted you. I know how you treated my family members. I'm not going to let you treat me like that. Does not give him the slightest chance to explain. She was like, I thought we had something real outside of this catering situation. I never want to hear from you or speak to you again. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so... Then kind of the next consequential thing, and it's so incredible, is like the wedding day arrives uh, and everything's going well. Everybody looks great. 
we get to famously the scene of does anybody have any objections ah. and, uh nobody in the church does but here comes connor magnum pi this is the most incredible reveal to me oh i'm sorry before this, we see the subtly orchestrated scene of a woman who is uh, very pregnant coming into the restaurant as Kelsey's leaving. Um, Hispanic, fully pregnant, desperate to talk to Connor. Um, and we don't find out why until now. Until now. He comes in right before the I do. And says that uh, Todd knocked up the help of his parents, this woman. (laughs) Which, like, so many other ways. Like, he could have just cheated on her with the wedding dress gal, right? Um, But that's why they were understaffed at the party, was they paid this woman to go away. So the parents aren't exactly the most scrupulous in the world either. And my favorite part, I think, of this is that it had nothing to do with any of his detective work. This woman just came in, knew Mm -hmm. he was a detective, because it's pretty well broadcast, and told him. So none of his detective clues are what led to this. Uh, And then, uh, obviously, the bride is disgusted. Obviously, Aunt Olivia is disgusted, but, like, handles the situation. Um. And they go outside, and it's the best. Kelsey is like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for solving that. And he kind of briefly explains that he was offered this money and he didn't accept it, but he wanted to go away for the betterment of the bride, and that's why they broke up. And he he proposes to Kelsey, who was he was not on speaking terms with, and he has known over the course of wedding planning... And he does so with the ring of the bride whose wedding just got called off. And they go into the church of the wedding she just planned. And they get their asses married. And that, my friend, is the Christmas wedding planner. What What does it have to do with Christmas again? Like, is this because it takes place at Christmas or? Yeah, it's it's like a Christmas wedding. So we see tons of like christmas decorations and like but but it could have just been like the wedding planner except no they already did that um correct it could have there could have been a summer wedding like nothing nothing about it involved in this there's no yeah very little to do with the plot (laughs) then we find out connor is actually santa's son like it's no like what happens in the last 12 minutes of this movie compared to the first hour right right sure it's incredible like it becomes a soap opera and before that it is just the most mid romantic comedy in the history of the world but again like the lead actor is great the lead um actress is is also pretty good like she's she's not bad uh so it is kind of funny to watch them try and navigate this not just bad writing but a just insane terrible plot like it's a it's a blast it's it's really fun. There's so much laughing at it. it mm. It's I can't keep the flick in because I feel like that implies it was good, but it's right on the cusp. Like it's right. it's right there because I I was entertained by it, but not in the way. 
but maybe in the way they intended. It was maybe. entertaining in the ways that the actors intended, but not entertaining sure. in the way that the, the writers and directors presented it. Uh, <laughs> one of those. One of those. So it. if you're a white girl and you're looking for one of these dumb movies to watch, this is one of the better ones because you are like at least along for the ride. I've seen some of these where I'm like, I I will sign up for any of these stupid ass yeah. movies and I can't I can't yeah. I can't do it. Nope. <laughs> but this this is one of the better ones. Um in that it's ridiculous and that the they can at least carry along how dumb right. this thing was. So incredible. But like wedding dress saleswoman never comes into play dead mom no. doesn't come into play editor doesn't no. come into play from wedding to no. magazine like the left turn that they take to make him have knocked up the help of his parents is so ignores so many other opportunities that they could have had for him to cheat it's um, a swerve it's a swerve that's why it's a swerve, but like, uh, it's so. <laughs> the fact that that woman just walks into the restaurant yeah. is so. It just undercuts any of the detective work that yeah. was done because she's like, yeah. I volunteer this information to you. We don't mm. see him call her like in a way to be like, hey, no. I think I discovered some information here. Can we talk about it? Like, none of that. She just waddled in eight months pregnant. Mm -hmm. uh, and. Yeah, it's uh, it's for even for a swerve, it's pretty poorly executed. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. <sighs> so <sighs> delightfully stupid. Can't keep it in because I I do feel like that insinuates that there's quality to it. Um, mm. but if if you want to sign up for something dumb, this is one of the better ones to to sign up for. And just for the Joey Fatone scene of him not being in the room at the same time. It's so good. So, um, for uh, for mine, um, I had a vague, weird recollection. Do you ever like, like think like there are a movie that you watched when you were a kid, and you haven't seen since? And it's like, did I dream that? Is that a thing that like? So this is something I've had for years about this particular movie. Um, and then I just was looking through Christmas movies available to me on, uh, prime video and, and here it was, it's called the life and adventures of Santa Claus. Only that's not what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, um, it is available, uh, because I subscribe to Amazon plus through, Am uh, no, no, it's not, sorry. AMC plus through Amazon prime, which is how I was able to find it because I got like the for prime day or whatever. It was like a dollar for three months or something. And I just haven't canceled it, uh, which I'm glad I didn't because, um, because <laughs> this movie's on it. Um, uh, it, it is a Rankin bass Christmas special. One of the last ones they did, because they did like Rudolph in like 64 or something. So there's all those stop motion classic Christmas specials done by Jules Rank, uh, Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass. Uh, most probably the most um, uh, popular and and famous one is Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. But they also did Santa Claus is Coming to Town. 
Snow Miser and Heat Miser, uh, the little drummer boy, um, all of these old ones. And then I think one of the last ones they did was this one, which was shown uh, on, I don't know on what network in 1985. And my parents videotaped it, you know, uh, with the VCR record and then when it ended you push stop and it's on there on the on the vhs that's the way we had to do things before dvr kids and uh so my my brother and i had it on a on a taped off of the and we would watch it all the time we i don't know why it was just it was so because like at like seven eight years old this is the weirdest thing and it doesn't actually strike you as weird um, it was just like a, a, a different way of tell, talking about Santa Claus. But the right. problem is, is I didn't realize at the time, it's not about Santa. Anyway, um, it is based on a book by L. Frank Baum, who wrote The Wizard of Oz and all of its subsidiaries. Um, and so you know that guy's got, got some wacky ideas about, you know. Sure does. His whole um, storytelling vibes. Um, uh, the whole thing starts with the closest I can, I, I can uh, describe it is just like, what if, um, what if Santa Claus was a story in the Hobbit series? Like it is, it is whatever. There's a guy who's obviously supposed to be Gandalf. Like that's his whole thing. I don't know if L. Frank Brown was writing after the Hobbit, but that's the guy's Gandalf. He's very tall. He's got a very long white beard. Um, uh, his name is The Great Ack. And right away, I'll tell you, the names of things leave a little to be desired. The Great Ack is not is not, it's not the best way to describe the like most the powerful being in the universe. Yeah. Um, the Great Ack is uh, a he is he's an immortal. Who lives in the forest of Bursey. That's where all the immortals live. And okay. um, and he is he is has called together a council of the immortals to determine if they should bestow immortality on a mortal. And that mortal is Santa Claus. Um that the the idea being because he's all powerful and all knowing he knows that as soon as santa gets home from his sleigh ride tonight he will be visited by the spirit of death and they say it like that for like children just the idea of santa claus is gonna die is a weird thing to like just here's the whole point this is a thing for children it is it's definitely for children santa's gonna die if these people don't say he should live forever, and it's like you should say he should live forever, he's Santa Claus. It's that's that's it's a very odd way of putting it. See, um, I like the idea that something made Santa immortal because that like explains Santa to kids a little bit. Sure, but like the we know his imminent death part does, I would say, feel unnecessary in a, in right. a kids um, the kids vehicle. Uh, there is uh, so the the I, I wrote us all down because I needed to know. There's Tangler. Tangler is a sound imp. That's what they call it, a sound imp. He's an elf. They never actually say he's an elf, but that's what the elves are, is this. 
and a sound imp. He's small. He's got a big nose. He's got little pointy ears. He's got he's got jingle bells all over him. He's a, he's he's an, he's an elf. Um, but Tinglers can speak every language in the universe. Not Tinglers, sound imps, and they can like not only that, like it's not languages like people, but like bird calls, and they can they can speak to fish. I mean, like it's really weird. Um, so he's there, and the, he's through the whole throat through on everything. Then there's Queen Zerline of the Wood Nymphs, who's got this wonderful bouffant hairdo. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's okay, so then there's okay, so she's there, and Tingler's there, and then they they bring in the actual parade of the immortals. Now, I should say, but through this whole thing, there's this um, a, a, a song that is really kind of haunting. Um, but it's very odd for it's um it, in in Latin. Ora sempre, today and forever. Like it's this 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 is this, this almost like a dirge. Uh, that they there's a refrain they play through the whole thing of like uh, for ages and ages to come to the first cracking of doom. Like this is immortality. It's this, this very feel very Christmassy so far. It doesn't. It's not at all Christmassy. Uh, it, uh, they actually, I don't even think they mentioned the word Christmas until like the very end of the thing. Um, so anyway, during this whole processional music, we meet uh, the Queen of the Water Spirits, who looks exactly like you would think, Lord of the Sleep Phase, which is just a he's just an Asian guy, and he's got um. <laughs> He he's got I mean he's got a big scepter with a big bulbous thing at the end that shoots out sleep oh gas. I don't know why. Um Master of the Sound Imps, who's the who's the uh you know a, a, a big version of Tingler, Commander of the Wind Demons, who's like he's got a big uh mask thing, like a big big flat huge face and then his body is like a weird upside down umbrella with like things all over the place like it's very odd um the grand duke of the light elves with their royal highnesses the princess flash and twilight um and uh and i it just feels it, it this feels very much like uh, uh, like something they started working on in 1978 and didn't finish until 1985 because it takes so damn long to do stop motion um, because all of these things feel like weird late 70s fever dreams the way that they've all put them together um, then there's um, the protector of the nooks the nooks uh, have these really long Tyrannosaurus tails and very small hunched over bodies with little, little, little big round faces. Um, and then there's the king of the Riles. Riles are like, uh, we're talking about Wizard of Oz. They're like munchkins with little little tiny uh, housefly wings and they flutter everywhere. Okay. okay. So there's this huge round table of all these immort immortals and the great act has to tell them why they should bestow immortality on um um <clears throat> on santa claus and so he he goes into his little spiel and says now we should decide whether to bestow the mantle of immortality on a mortal and then this dude pipes up and the only reason i mention him is because he wasn't introduced during the processional He's just he's just a dude in a lucha mask with antlers on it, and and he's like the 
a immortality given to an uh, into to a mortal impossible and we never hear from that dude again like i don't I, like they could have given that line to anybody who was a named character but they didn't i don't even know who that guy was um says i will tell you the story of santa claus from the beginning um here's the story ac according to them of what santa claus is um, I was walking through the forest and I saw a baby lying on the ground. And I picked it up. I knew right away it was a mortal because, as you'll find out later, there are no babies. Imm immortals are never babies. Um, and so rather than take it to the nearest town, we already find out the great act later. He can make himself invisible and nobody can see him. Rather than take the baby to the nearest town, and drop it off at an orphanage or a nunnery or whatever... I gave it to the lioness Shiegra. I told her to protect the babe and to give it her milk. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, so, so Santa Claus, as a baby, you gave to a lioness and he was raised on lion milk. What a dumb sentient being. I don't know what, I don't know why we're doing that. That's a weird That's, thing. That seems like a terrible call. Yeah. Um, he says that, uh, this this happened 60 years ago. So that means that Santa Claus would be 60. But but later they say he's been delivering toys for 50 years and he did not deliver start delivering toys when he was uh 10. So there's a hole in the script and it's unforgivable. Um uh, Yeah, that's so, the weird part about this. Uh, yeah. So there's this weird double flashback, right? So we flash back from him telling all the immortals about him finding the baby. Then we flash forward a little bit to him telling all of the wood nymphs about finding the baby. But the baby's still a baby. So like a week after he found the baby, he told all the wood nymphs around the same table. But they were just all wood nymphs, not all the immortals. So it's very confusing for a kid. Like what? What? Anyway, so one of the wood nymphs, her name is Nasil. She's like, what is a baby? Um, well, uh, you are, are as you have always have been, Nessiel, because we uh, were born in, uh, there's this, another, now they go back to that weird um, song. Born in our present state, never were babies we. Like, it's like, so you were born fully adult? Like, how does that work? Like, as in, like and an if egg? you were born, that still implies that you were birthed, right? Or, so, but like, did you come out of an egg, or, or did you reproduce asexually? What, what's going on with immortal sex? Like, I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> what's going on. Like, what all of that anyway? Um, but she decides that she that Nasil wants to to be a mama. She doesn't know what being a mother is. She. She just wants to see a baby first. And when she sees the baby That's laying there. That's all being is an idiot. Yeah, I know. He's like, you just found out what a kid is, but yeah, there you go. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, this is the whole thing is that she decides she wants to. She goes and she steals the baby from the lion's cave while the lion is out taking a piss. I don't know where the lion went, but uh, he's not going to. Maybe it's going to find itself some meat. I don't know. But she steals the baby and she runs back. Um. And uh, it's like, you you should not have done that, Nasil. And then uh, we see Peter Nook shows up. Peter Nook is one of the Nooks. We talked about the Nooks. Um, 
and uh, and he controls all the animals of the forest. Here's Peter Nook right here, the little guy right there. And there's the great Ack. Look at him. Look how Gandalf he is. Um, and uh, <laughs> and Peter Nook says, oh, I, I, uh, I, I cannot control the lioness Shiegra. She will not respond to my commands. Peter Nook, are you not master of all the animals in the world? It's like, give me a break, a great act. I did my best. Like, he's like, it has <laughs> never happened before. I'm very sorry. Um, uh, anyway, so they they agree because she actually does a really cool trick of, 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 of uh, logic on him. She says, it is the law. No child must enter the forest of Bursey. Um, and uh, she's like, but it's the law. And it's like, but the great act makes the law. So if the great act decides that I can take care of the baby, then it's totally cool for me to take care of the baby. And uh, and he and he's he's like, yeah, well, she got me there. It's okay for you to take care of the baby. <laughs> um, so so um, uh, so she she raises the kid. There's like a a. a um, uh, a montage of the kid growing up slightly until he's about, I don't know, 12. Um, and it's like, he's just a baby in the woods. There's so many fucking songs in this thing. Um, and soundtrack. yeah, it's crazy. Um, uh, uh, anyway, um, let me say, um, he hasn't learned uh, all of his fears, he's still wet behind the ears. He's a baby in the woods. And he's playing with, like, elephants and stuff. Because, you know, that's what kids do. Um, and uh, and so he's, like, um, 12. And um, all of a sudden, a great act comes to him. And he's like, uh, it is time for you to learn about the world. What is the world? Like, this kid has no like, concept of anything. So he's like, I will show you humanity and and mortals. You are a mortal. You must know of your kind. So um, you will go with me on a great trip around the world to find, to, to learn about things. Like, then, great. Yes, I would like to go. Go then! And I'm like, wait, I thought you were taking him on the trip. What go then means is uh, go pack your shit because we're going to be gone for a while. And uh, it is, it's very odd the way he's, go then! Yeah! I'll, 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 like, um, so then he says goodbye to his, to his mom, Nasil. She's like, there is a word, man. It means a boy who has grown. There is another word, mother. One who has a child. I am your mother. Would you call me your mother if only for this one time? Mother. Thank you. It's very odd. Um, so... This is where I realized that a lot of my philosophy about the world came from this movie, watching it over and over again as a small child. Um, this is actually one of the best parts about the whole thing, is he takes um, Claws, they name him Claws, because in the language of the Forest of Bursey, it means little one, which it doesn't. I'm sure it doesn't. Uh, they're lying. Um, but... Uh, he takes them all over the place and they find this, uh, the first place they go is this field where these serfs are working this turnip field. And there's the overseer Squire Rothwell or something like, Oh, you must meet your quota or I will come back and whip you all. 
Um, and like, this is really mean. Is this what happens in the real world? Like, yeah, that's what happens in the real world. Real world sucks, kids. Sorry about that. Um, and it's like, and there's this little this little boy who takes a turnip out of the turnip cart and steals, puts it by his back and tries to hide it. And the squad's like, put that back or I'll send you back to the orphanage. And because they're invisible and they can't hear them, you know, like Christmas Carol. He's like, it's only a turnip. He's obviously starving. Let him have one turnip. Well, I don't understand. So like 12-year-old Santa Claus is like, what is this injustice in the world? This sucks. And then they go and visit the king who's like, can you believe one of the servants tried to steal one of my turnips? That's terrible. And then he talks to him and he's like, um, um, and next thing you know, they'll be wanting to learn to read. And we can't have that now, can we? Then they'll start to believe they deserve more. Sooner or later, they'll want what we have. And we certainly can't have that. And I was like, oh, shit. So, like, at eight years old, I was like, rich people suck. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, because there's a certain thing of, like, there's a class delineation. And the reason why you keep them poor and stupid is so that they won't have dreams outside their station. And the fact that L. Frank Baum wrote that into his book 120 years ago, whenever it was, was is very interesting, certainly very progressive for his time. Yeah. Um, but they go and they uh, they also get a visit. Um, uh, these samurai kids who are learning to fight. It's like, why are they fighting? Well, they're training to kill other people. At children? That's really weird. Uh, then they go and they to, to an Arab marketplace where there's these homeless kids, like, why don't people help them? People are selfish, and they won't give their coins to a starving child. And and said is like, what is this? This sucks. Can we go back to the um, woods, please? I want to play with an yeah, elephant. This blows. And, and the thing of it is, is that I basically, I don't know if it's supposed to be a test from the great act, but Santa by the end is like, oh, we know we need to fix this shit. Like this is this uh, whatever I can do to help in any way to make to make these make these children you know feel better. I should mention also there's like these little kids that live with the king. Obviously, the, probably the king's kids. Um, one of them is a little fat boy who's just shoving all his food into his mouth. Fuck that kid. But um, uh, Santa Claus is enamored with this little perfect porcelain doll of a little girl who just seems very sad living in this this world and so later he's obsessed with her but i'm, I'm going to talk about that because it's a weird odd thing like i must make a, a little doll for the for the for the king's daughter i must do it and like all right whatever um mrs so, claus origin story boom yeah so he goes he goes back to the force of Bursey and he says i'm gonna go make my way in the world and try and do whatever i can to help nobody tells him like you're gonna make toys he just goes um and they are going. Uh, Tingler and Shiegra go with him. So he sends out the sound imp and uh, a lioness, who again, not not immortal, just regular old lioness to go with him. Um, and they're, they they leave the forest and they come upon. There's a delineation, a straight up line at the end of the forest, and then snow. And he's like, uh, what is this place? This is the Laughing Valley of Ho-Ha-Ho. Ho. I suppose if they called it the Laughing Valley of Ho-Ho-Ho, Ho, it would have been two on the nose. Two on the nose, this yeah. Is the, yeah, this is the Laughing Valley of Ho-Ha-Ho, Ho, where it always snows because it is always winter. And uh, Santa's like, 
I like this place. We shall live here. So he doesn't live at the North Pole. He lives in the Laughing Valley of Ho-Ha-Ho, where it always snows because it's always winter, I guess. He says, we will make camp tonight. And over there, and there's in the middle of absolutely nothing, a little shack with only three walls and an open wall, and they just sleep there. And then the next morning, here comes Tingler. Hello! Hey, wake up! You have guests! Guests? How did? Who knows that they live there? I don't understand. And they, they, he walks up to the edge and looks down into this valley, and there's a church, like a straight up church, nothing else, just a church, and you don't see anybody. There's just a church. It's like you have guests. Is the guest a church? But anyway, the next scene is they're in the church, all eating together with all of his friends from the forest. Like yeah, hey, since you showed up, let's do brunch. I don't, I don't know what this is. Like why that scene is even there. It's like I promise, I will make you all proud. You could have told them that before you left. I don't understand why this scene's here. Um, so then we have a little another um, uh, montage where we see him grow from twelve, and the next thing is like he's a young man, maybe early twenties, very fit, very nice, neatly trimmed beard, right? In one little scene where he's playing with some kids and making snowman with them. In the very next scene, he looks like this. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. I don't know what that. Uh, I don't know where 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 the candy uh, got dropped off in the Laughing Valley of Ho Ha Ho. Is he eating snow? Is it very rich? Is it not snow? Is it sugar? What what happened to make him go from svelte to fat? I don't I don't understand what what that is, but but he did. He's just now he's in his early 40s and and a fat guy. Listen, it'll happen to you too. Um but but, but I maybe I it's because he's been in the valley of ho ha ho so long his body has just got into like hibernation mode. There you go. Yeah, like he's, dad he's to insulate him, insulate himself. That makes sense. Um so He's just sitting there, absent-mindedly. I don't know what he's doing. Is he's been living in this valley for let's say thirty years, in this church that they found, doing nothing because he hasn't started making toys yet. Crucially, because he doesn't make a toy yet until now. He just decided to. Um, uh, we hear outside. And uh, he looks outside and there's a boy half frozen to death in the snow and they thaw him out and he says, hi, my name is Winkum. I, I, I was wandering away from the village and I guess I got fell into that snowbank and I got lost. Uh, but thanks everybody. Um, uh, it is a, it is a, hello, my name is Claus. This is Shiegra, a lion, and this is my little elf friend, Tingler, who you've never met anybody that looks like him, so it'll be totally not, not freaked out to you. Also, a small black cat that just got introduced into the story for no reason at all. His name is Blinky. Um, oh, what a wonderful kitty cat. I'd love to have one of my very own, but I'm tired. I'm going to go back to sleep now. So overnight, um, uh, Claus whittles a wooden cat that looks like Blinky. And he gives them, he gives them to Winkum in the morning, and Winkum is so excited. Um, and then he takes him back into the village, 
Um, there was like, like uh, he says, hello, Winkum. I'm Claus. Would you like to be my special friend? And it's very, very not, doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't ring well. It also doesn't, it feels even worse when you hear what Winkum says when he comes back and meets all the kids in the village. He says, um, this is Claus. I slept at his house, and when I woke up, there was a big surprise. <laughs> and it's like, all right. I mean, you modern favors that. not doing us like modern society not doing us any favors. Uh, yeah, with, you, with you, the, can't, yeah. you can't phrase it differently. And so then there's a very long song sung by the kids of the village, which is just like, big surprise, big surprise. I want a cat with yellow green eyes. And so they're all like very nicely sharing this one wooden cat that they're passing around that looks like, like I want a cat too. Please also give me a cat too, Claus. I would love a cat of my very own. I so do want a kitty. And they tell all of this to Claus and then they go and they turn around and walk away. They don't even ask, wait for him to say yes or no. But he's like, hmm, maybe I should whittle little presents for all the children of the village. Okay, like not a not one dog person in the bunch, and be like, I don't know, maybe ask Klaus how his day's going. Like you're just, <laughs> damn. Um, so uh, he um, he conscripts a bunch of uh, riles and nooks, not nooks, uh, wood nymphs, and and sound imps, a bunch of different versions of the elves to come to his little church turns toy shop and help him make a bunch of wooden toys for all the kids of the village. And he does this literally every day and then brings the toys literally every day to the village to give away to the children who are running out of room for toys because there aren't that many kids in the village and you just keep doing this over and over again. So he's done this for a, for a, for a while now. And then somebody throws a rock through the window of Santa's toy shop with a, with a note wrapped around it. Uh, and it says, um, uh, if you, uh, like, uh, Mr. Claus, if you make another toy, we're coming for you. Signed, the King of the Aguas. Um, and, uh, by the way, his name is King Agua of the Aguas. It's not spelled that way, but I'm guessing old L. Frank didn't speak Spanish. Because it is very odd to name your, your the villain of your story King Water. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, his... So, Tingler's like, who is the Ogwas? Says, says Santa Claus. Tingler's like, oh no, it's terrible. The Ogwas are a race of monsters that live up in the hills, and they use mind control powers to control the children and make them do bad things like not making their beds. And it's like... like he actually says like, disobey their parents or whatever but it's like the one of the things is not make their beds of course uh, so these aguas make children naughty um and it's not their fault they have no agency um it's the aguas using mind control powers to do it i don't know what the aguas get out of it like that's never really fully stated but uh they just do it because they're because they're evil um uh, so the late says, um, so, uh, oh, he says, uh, also, uh, just a little, little helpful tidbit. Uh, it is said they can make themselves invisible, says, um, 
says Tingler. And then he goes, very, very creepily and ominously, as he closes the door to his own bedroom, good night. Like, like, I just told you they can sneak into your house without you knowing and kill you. Anyway, good night. Goodness, Don't let the big bugs well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they they sneak in. They're they're invisible. They have ropes. They tie up uh, Shiegra, um, and uh, they they kidnap uh, Claus. And the very next scene is Claus tied up, gagged in a cave with a giant cobra and a giant spider, and he's able to like wiggle out of the gag and go, "Nooks of the forest, come save me, please." And immediately, like two two nooks, not Peter Nook, a different guy. This is uh, a well, dark man. They're very dark, like very a dark. Kids. <laughs> two like Santa's going to be eaten by a giant spider. Merry Christmas. Um, so uh, a couple of nooks go. Hey, get out of here, creatures! All nooks can control all creatures. Go away. And so they the creatures do. It's like how did like, says, oh he says um he's what does he say um uh. Save me, oh ye nooks of the forest. Right? And the nooks come and they say, hey, We are nooks. Who are you? How do you know the secret call? So the cooked secret call is, Save me, oh ye nooks of the forest. If he hadn't said it like that, they wouldn't have shown up. No. Um, it's like, I am a friend of your, of your brother, your brother Peter Nook, um, says Santa. So then we, get, we we actually get to meet the Aguas, not in invisible form. Here is King Agua. You're not ready for this. <laughs> this is King Agua. Why does he have a gold chain? <laughs> he's, he's, he he's blinged like, out. He looks like the guy uh, that was like the Viking on January 6th. Mm, yeah, yeah. This is like what I, love, I, I do love how he's put bracelets on his big horns. Yeah, he's totally blinged out. He really is. He wants people to know, like, hey, right. I'm doing yeah. all right as king. Yeah. Wow. Uh, big, yeah. I don't know what the I don't know what the teeth things, spiky things are coming out of his lips. Seems like a herpes situation. Um. Yeah, they're definitely coming uh, out of his lips and not his mouth. That's a weird choice. The the. The thing about it is that he is voiced by the great Earl Hyman, who to, who did Panthro and Thundercats, and was also uh, the the grandpa that you remember from the Cosby Show. Um, yeah, uh, the, the wonderful Earl Hyman um, doing King Agua and just hamming it up completely. Funny fact about Earl Hyman: he spoke Swedish. So he, for years, played Othello. Shakespeare's Othello in Stockholm, Sweden, and all over Sweden for years because he spoke Swedish and was a black guy who was a trained Shakespearean actor. And that's like wild. they couldn't find one in Sweden, so they found a guy and it's him. I think that's a really cool thing. Anyway, um, so it's it's Panthro's voice, which creeped me the hell out when I was a kid in 1985 because I love Thundercats and Panthro was a good guy, and I didn't understand why he was also King Agua. Um <laughs> So uh, he says, um, uh, he says, <clears throat> so um, we are finding it very difficult to capture this clause, but we can still stop him from making the children happy. 
Like that's all they, they want to make sure the children aren't happy. They're just they're just evil for the sake of being evil. That's so but then after he he say he says, um, uh, ah, we, we can still stop him from making the children happy. And then he goes, Tomorrow when he leaves for the village, and they fade to him leaving for the village, and then they steal all his toys. So every time he walks from the through from the valley to the village, they steal his toys, um, invisibly. And they keep dumping them in a giant cavern. They just take the sack of toys and they turn it upside down and dump all the toys in the cavern. And and that's it. Um, I gotta say, like, I feel like Santa also lost the plot a little bit. Because wasn't he going to try and go around the whole world and help everyone? He's helping where he can. Like, I think the great act was like, do what you can what uh, what a mortal can do, you know, and that's what it, he can help his own little nook of the world, nook, not the other kind of nook. Um, but also, like, I mean, toys every day is like kind it's, of. It feels like it, it's. It feels like it's got it's a. It's over. It's over and over again. Just like one anyway, turkey um, dinner. You know what I mean? He says. Uh, he says. Uh, what says? Um, keep making your toys, claws. Our caverns are not yet full. So, uh, what a t- little bit of trash talk there from King Agua. Of Love Agua. that. Love um, that. So then the the great the, it's like I you cannot stop me. I will find a way to to to, to be able to keep making my toys. Uh, and the next thing we see is the great act apparently have been tattled to by by Santa who can't fight his own battles. Goes and gets the master woodman, uh, woodsman immortal Ack, um, who, who says to, to Agua, um, uh, stop messing with my friend. And Agua's like, no, it is war. It's like, so be it. Um, so then he goes and he, and he, and he brings out, he like, it's a, a loving little, little, little wooden case and he opens it up and there's a big silver axe in it. The great Ack has a great axe. Honestly, they should have thought this through. Also, though, like, he's willing to go to war over just making kids sad. Yes, yes. Because he's evil. Um, it's, like, a little much, though. It's a little... It's, it's, it's like, way much. It's it's way much. Um, so, um, the the great axe uh, socks this axe. He says, oh, great silver axe. Uh, I have wanted to... Av-. He's, like, caressing it. I have wanted to avoid war, but apparently it seems inevitable. You shall help me slay the forces of evil. He always says evil. Um, it's also and, like uh, not inevitable. Just like let kids have toys. Who gives a shit? Well, no, but like apparently the Aguas aren't going to stop stealing toys. So got to kill them. Um, so then uh, they, they, they meet on the top of this mountain. To have to do battle across, like anyway, um, and the Aguas are like, look at them! They fight with tree branches because who did the great Ack bring? Wood nymphs, some nooks, a couple of riles. That's it. Um, Come on, and man. Uh, and so it's the Aguas plus the Aguas have found their mercenaries. Um, uh, one is a giant, a, a giant with three eyes. Uh, one of them is a flying demon. And one of them is a weird, long, Chinese-style dragon, right? Look, behold, they fight with tree branches. 
we will destroy them. Our forces of evil will destroy them. Go forth, great dragon, and incinerate them. And and I'm like, this is dark stuff. So That's great a dragon lot. Is up there. And a nameless wood nymph, not Naseel, who would that would make sense because she's trying to protect her her her, her, her kid, adopted yeah. son. Just a random wood nymph. You can tell it's not the same one. She steps forward with her little tree branch and she casts a spell that forces the fire back into the dragon's face and he just burns into ash. Oh my goodness. Very dark. Um, uh, then uh, there's a Ryle who takes one of the Agwas and throws a, a tree branch at him and he catches it and it immediately turns him into muck. Like he just drops into goo. And then he blooms into a flower, and the flower dies. Some really, really interesting magical ways of killing people. Um, and then there's the big the it's a weird furry, it's like a it's like a chimpanzee with bat wings and a weird Halloween mask, is what it looks like. And it's flying toward the great ack, and and it just points his his big silver axe at him, shoots a bolt of lightning at it, and it explodes. It says, Your evil friends are dead. Charge! And they charge at him. And all the Agwas run away, right? And I'm like, oh, they scared him off. Oh, that's good. A way to to avoid further bloodshed. Why you had to do the most extra version of killing off these, uh, these three mercenaries is because you wanted to scare them off so they wouldn't come back. Next scene. The great act comes to the claws and says, you may continue to deliver your toys in peace. The Ogwas have perished. Which means you chased them down and executed them. They have perished. Perished. perished is very different than ran away. You'll never see them again. We found them. They were hiding. And we and murdered we, them. We murdered them. In the name of toys. Publicly executed in the town square. Um, but now they've been making all these toys, right? Um, but they haven't had a way to deliver them. So they have all these toys. Well, how are we going to, we can't, we can't get the sleigh. We can't get the sleigh to move. I was like, I was going to pull it like, you know, over my shoulder, like a, like a dragon, a, a, a radio flyer wagon. Nope. It's too heavy. And Peter Nook says, Hey, you want these reindeer? These reindeer, they live in the forest. You want them? They can, they can pull your sleigh. Um, and he's like, oh, great, but they must be back before daybreak. Oh, sure, I can do that. So the, the reindeer are pulling the sleigh, and they jump from one crag of the mountain to another. And Tingler's with him. He says, we've cleared the entire valley in just a few leaps. It's almost as though we're flying. But crucially, they're not. So the reindeer don't fly. They just jump really far. Which seems like a problem when you're going to cross the Atlantic Ocean or something eventually, but maybe that's also fixed just when like immortal. you've already introduced like immortality and right. weird stuff here. Like, I don't know why you were like, we have to be grounded about the reindeer. The reindeer are just regular reindeer, they're not magic reindeer yet, they're just regular reindeer. Um, so, um, they uh, all the kids all over the area, not just in the village, want toys now. And they can't make toys fast enough. If only we had all of the toys that the Agwas stole, then we'd be fine. Well, too bad. We'll never find them. The next morning, 
hey, we found the toys. It's never it never is discussed as to how they found the toys, what cave system they were hiding in. Also, these are just toys that have been dumped out of a sack, laying on the damp, dark floor of a cave, probably covered in bat shit. Like here, Sally, here's and a little just dolly. Like the juju around that of the people that you murdered and redistributing yes. their toys is just a little that I don't like that, like from an energy standpoint. Like, I don't think we should be giving Sally. Like, yeah. hey, no, we incinerated, bad. we murdered, we pillaged. <laughs> right. So um, apparently um, he says, um, oh, this is where Red Axe says, oh, so where is Santa Claus now? Uh, says somebody at the round table. Back, we're back to the round table now. And uh, he says, um, he has been delivering his toys for 50 mortal years. Uh, so uh, he's, uh, which means, again, he was a baby 60 years ago, and 50 years ago, he looked like this. So I'm just going to say, like, there's some problems here with your narrative storytelling. Um, uh, but um, they say, uh, so um, uh, he's been helping all these children, and without him, everyone's going to be sad. So what do you say? Should we make him immortal? And after all that talk of, no, no, we should never give immortality to a mortal, impossible. Everyone at the table's like, yeah, sure, it sounds good. <laughs> well now that you explained yeah, yeah we right. should probably do it and that's the end of the movie that's it like he great act, go home with that great act goes to santa and says hey now you're an immortal so get cracking on those toys like the idea of if you've been delivering making and delivering toys for 50 years maybe you don't want to die but Maybe you want to retire. Want to retire at some point, yeah. Like, like, like hey, say, say, hey, I got you something. Oh, is it a gold watch for my retirement? Is it is it a condo in Maui? No. You get to do this for the rest of time. Happy, happy, happy Christmas. Uh, this is oh, boy. Delivery. So that's So that is why Santa is immortal. Because a giant Gandalf-looking mother effer uh, and and his, and his and his and his weird coterie of crazy people decided you're immortal now, and you got to keep making toys for everybody. It's never explained wh- when how he goes from like the the surrounding areas to the entire world. That's just not a thing. We never actually find that out. Uh, I don't know if they like uh, if they can bestow immortality on uh, Santa. Do they ever do it to Shiegra? Because Shiegra, by the way, I don't know how long lions live, but she was a full adult lioness when he was a baby, and now he's at least 70, regardless of what the script says. I don't think lionesses live that long, but she's totally still kicking. Like, I mean, good on her. But good for her. Like, I feel like there was a lot of really good intent here. Like, I like a Santa origin story. I even mm-hmm. like, like, let's connect the fact that Santa has elves to, to something. That's nice. Yeah. Kind of a a really dark drug trip on the yeah. same plane, though? Yeah, I, I wasn't able to find, like, pictures of all of the weird creatures because they look re- whacked out. Like, th- like, King Og was one of the craziest My by God. far. But like, but all of them look just nuts. Like they're just like somebody's crazy LSD dream. 
Yeah. Like come to life. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Wow. Do you keep the flick? Um, it's this is a this is one of the hardest ones because it it, it is it is it is not a great storytelling or some of the stop motion is also really lazy like like when Nasile is running with the baby in her arms her her legs are doing this like it's not it's not at all running it's just weird like at one point i think she's double jointed like her legs are like maybe that's how wood nymphs run i don't know this is very odd um i really love this the 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 idea of of santa as a, as a as a, a, a very young a man being like the world sucks yeah um maybe i could just try and make like i don't know 75 kids happy constantly and that'll be the one way that i'm able to help the world be better and then they're like psych you gotta help every child all over the world once a year i do think that's a bit of a leap um but i i um I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it in simply because it is it is something that I I really feel like has to be seen to be believed. Like That's if fair. you are not familiar with with the movie and you are watching it and you're like I think I have a handle on what mythical creatures look like in this movie <laughs> and then King Agua shows up, it's gonna knock your socks off, man. Uh, <laughs> You know, like that. all of a, all of a sudden, blinged out super herpes bullhorn guy is is not it's Phenomenal. not going to work out. It's, it's yeah, it's yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it in just because I think people should experience it. That's fair. Um. Uh. uh but it it is it does have some some holes. And Tingler's really annoying. Like really annoying. Like one of the things because he knows all the languages. Like everything he says in like six languages. God, we don't have to constantly. Like he, he just says it over and yeah. over again in different languages, and then like he'll throw in like a blue jay call, like out of like. Tweet, 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 tweet. We get yeah, it, yeah. dude. Like, you don't have to flex on it that hard. Yeah, <laughs> show off. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, next week, a yeah. very special Christmas episode. Yeah. Yes. Very special. It should be. It'll be fun. Yes. Um, thank, thank you all for joining in. Uh, may your holidays stay merry and bright. Uh, and we'll we'll see you in the next one uh, when we will decide whether or not to get the flick out of here. Bye, everybody. R e s p e c t. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.